Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Time Out. I'm Eve Rodsky, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fair Play, and Find Your Unicorn Space activist on the gender division of labor, attorney, and family mediator. And I'm Dr. Aditi Narukar, a physician and medical correspondent with an expertise in the science of stress, resilience, mental health, and burnout. We're here to peel back the layers around why it's so easy for society to guard men's time as if it's diamonds and to treat women's time as if it's infinite, like sand. And whether you are partnered with or without children or in a career where you want more boundaries, This is the place for you, for all family structures. We're here to take a time out, to learn, get inspired, and most importantly, reclaim our time. So Aditi, I've been thinking a lot about unicorn space, this idea that like the mythical equine Finding space and time, uninterrupted attention for things that we love is often difficult because in our society, we're often defined by our roles. We're often taught to give our most valuable currency away, our time in service of others. And I remember Anne-Marie Slaughter said something to me that I thought was really powerful. She said that she feels in community with all women across the globe. Because at some point, every single one of us will be defined by our roles. And so that gets me to something I want to tell you about a keynote that I started to write for a women's college that asked me to speak to them. And the speech I delivered was probably a little bit different 
than the one they thought I was going to deliver. Typically, right, commencement speeches or these speeches that we give to the next generation are all about you can do anything and you can be anything. But my speech was called, You Only Have 10 Years Left to Live. It was inspired by Heidi Schreck's What the Constitution Means to Me. What I loved was that she embodied her younger self. And so as I started the speech, I embodied the 21-year-old Eve. And Aditi, I was going to be president and senator, right? Because like, who stops legislating around four o'clock? Like you have so much more time, right? You can legislate during the day. And obviously you can pass all of your executive orders at night. But I'm not going to give up my dream of being a Nick City dancer because why would I? I could just <laughs> fly Air Force One into New York because it's such a short jaunt from DC and I'll do the 1230 shows. I start this way because I want to remind our listeners of who you were, say, at at 21, or that time in your life when you had that much potential, that much power, that much fire. And what happens to it? Why did I call it I only had 10 years left to live? Because by the time I was 31, my fire had gone out. It had been extinguished by my roles, by what society expected of me, of the unpaid labor, the discipline and screen time, and the bathing and grooming of kids, and on and on. So what happens to us where we go from being told the lie that we could be and do anything to the point where society rears its ugly head? And how do we prevent that? For women especially, There will always be rain. There will always be the other backpack to unpack or the extracurricular sports you have to take your kids to. But as my favorite Vivian Green quote, which can come off cheesy, but I still think it's very important, right? We don't wait for the storm to pass. We have to learn to dance in the rain. And this idea of unicorn space, which is something different than self-care and friendships, which are also important. This space to reclaim who we were at our most vibrant, our most powerful, our most passionate version of who we were can always be there and can be reclaimed if we've lost it. It's just about being intentional and thinking about how we can do this within the current structures of how we live in America today. We have to understand the hurdles that our society has put in front of us, the hurdles to that sustained attention to things that we love. And one of those hurdles is the permission to be interested in our own lives and interesting to ourselves, that permission to be unavailable from our roles, that idea that we are defined as individuals, as opposed to in relation to others. In fact, even in the daily act of wearing our kids' initials on our neck, wearing mom on our neck, I have to say, Aditi, I said to my kids, you know, I need unavailability from my roles. I need unavailability to reclaim what makes me me. And so I'm going to start with actually wearing my own initial (laughs) around my neck. And my kids are so proud of me. They're like, my mommy doesn't wear our initials. She wears her own 
and they know my name is EVE, and my name is powerful, and I'm reclaiming it. Second is this idea about guilt and shame. And the third is our ability to use our voice, which we're talking about throughout this whole season, that we get a chance to vocalize what we need. Why are those things, the idea that being unavailable, a lack of guilt and shame, and using my voice, Aditi, why are those so hard to exercise in everyday life? All of those things that you mentioned, they're societal constructs that are put up on us. And as women especially, multitasking is something that we do, and it's a real sense of a badge of honor to be able to do everything so well all at once without even breaking a sweat. But in fact, multitasking is bad for the brain, and we don't talk about that enough. In fact, when you look at the biology of the brain and you look at how multitasking works, it is divided attention. And if we want better brain health, better mental health, a sense of resiliency, and a lack of burnout, then we can't divide our attention in a million different ways. We have to have that focused, sustained attention, which is what the unicorn space is. It has lots of brain benefits. This idea of creativity, not as a luxury or a nice to have, but a necessity. And when we carve out that unicorn space and live within our unicorn space, we are giving our body and our mind a chance to really be optimized. When we are fully inhabiting that unicorn space, it improves our resilience. It decreases our stress. It decreases our burnout. It also has lots of other benefits. The growth mindset, innovation, problem solving, creating a sense of meaning and purpose, imagination, creativity, they are actually very important hard metrics that impact the bottom line when it comes to our health, our mental health and physical health. Creativity has been shown to improve anxiety and depression. It changes the brain. It decreases our cortisol level, which is a stress hormone, and it has a huge biological boost. I wonder if I can interject with just the definition of the flow state before we get into the secret formula of creativity. I want to give props, Aditi, to Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, a hard name to pronounce, but he is the founder and originator of the concept of the flow state. And what's so beautiful about his work is he identified something that we've all felt, wonder, the wonder of what it feels like when you lose yourself in an activity. Now, children and society are the conspirers against flow. They come in to cut up our time into little bits. And actually, the idea that women, that we deserve sustained attention for our flow state, for things that we love, to me, is how we redefine happiness. Because what we found lately is that, and this is what the research shows, if you focus on how to be happy, the pursuit of happiness for happiness sake actually makes you more sad. And, and Aditi could talk more <laughs> about that from a scientific perspective. But what I will say is that happiness is a clue that you found your unicorn space. And whether it's going back to your childhood, but if you had trauma in your childhood, maybe it's looking forward to who you want to be. However you get there, and we will be talking about this a lot over the season, it is not easy to inhabit 
your unicorn space. If it was, we'd all be living to 200, frolicking in a field of lavender. And I think it's also important to recognize that any amount of time, even if it's five minutes in that flow state, can have ripple effects for our whole day and actually biological effects. You may not know when you're in getting into the flow state, but you certainly know when you've gotten out. It's that sense of timelessness in the present moment. We lose track of time. We lose track of where we are. And there's many ways to get there. It's not the same for everyone. Probably one of my favorite benefits of getting into the unicorn space is strengthening our sense of autonomy, which when we're married with children and in many roles, that can be weakened. And we as human beings are meaning-seeking, purpose-driven creatures. When we cultivate a unicorn space, get into that sense of flow, we find our sense of purpose and mastery within ourselves, which in turn gives us mastery in all of the other roles, Eve, that you've already talked about. A hundred percent. I think that's so beautiful because some people say it's, you know, simmering my signature sauce, but without the expectation and the interruption of children and a partner, I think the beauty is understanding what it is for you and it can change and it doesn't always have to be the same and it's not always going to be easy, which we're going to be talking about with our guests today, creativity expert, Natalie Nixon. I think the most beautiful thing that Natalie Nixon talks about is the fact that creativity, the flow state is not just wonder. It also requires rigor and that rigor is what's hard because Mm -hmm. to find rigor in an activity, to learn to climb that mountain, to learn that signature sauce, to learn about the gender division of labor, which was my (laughs) unicorn space for so long, does require this sustained attention. I can't shake this idea that when we think about the word creativity, we think of youth. But in fact, creativity as we age becomes even more important. There was a study done of older adults, which found that when older adults are engaged in creative pursuits, there is a greater sense of connectivity in the brain, but also within their selves. There's better cognitive functioning and there's a greater sense of well-being. Now, this is not just nice to have stuff. This is essential, critical stuff that we need. That is, to me, the reason why... I had to write a whole second book on this topic because it should be central to your life. It is not optional. But often we've dismissed this part of our life as a nice to have with words I want to retire like hobby Mm. or vanity project or leisure or distractions. And I will say that you said something very important about loneliness. People ask me, When I ask this question now to thousands, this idea of what makes you you and and how do you share it with the world? A lot of people ask me, well, what's the second question important for? Why can't it just be what makes me me? Hmm. Why do you have to ask, how do you share it with the world? And the reason why is because there is a distinction between self-care, which is important, But I often liken it to a more passive pursuit. I mean, it can be active, like a spinning class or taking a walk with your dog. 
but it doesn't have the same benefits as that connection. The sharing with your world, that active pursuit is something different. That's what we're talking about here. Those are baseline things that we should all have. The next iteration and elevation up is this idea of the active pursuit of creative self-expression that makes you you, whether it be my friend who who started as a baker and now she's leveling up to making robotic cakes that wow. literally move. That's her unicorn space. The idea is the sharing with the world, whether it's your neighbor, whether it's becoming in a marathon group, whether it's getting a re- ukulele recital for five best friends, that flow state often comes in the process of the connection of sharing. And that flow stage is is contagious. The unicorn space is contagious. When you see your friends embodying that creativity or in that sense of flow and they're really lit up, it makes you want that too. So we're gonna be talking to Natalie Nixon after the break about all of these things. I cannot wait for you to hear what she has to say. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step, and you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. 
As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm excited to welcome today's guest, Natalie Nixon. Not only a friend, she is a creativity strategist, global keynote speaker, and author of the award-winning The Creativity Leap, Unleashed Curiosity, Improvisation, and Intuition at Work. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Eve. It's so good to see you and to be here. Thanks for having me. So before you came on, we were talking a little bit about the hurdles to creativity, all of those permissions we have to give ourselves to be unavailable to literally burn guilt and shame for spending sustained attention on things that we love and to use our voice. And now I want to go into our shared passion, which is creativity frameworks. Your wonder rigor framework, we mentioned it earlier, as well as some of the findings around how important not just curiosity is, but connection, sharing your creativity with others whether it be cha-cha on Instagram, like I got to see you last night doing your beautiful ballroom dance, or sending your crocheted Harry Potter doll to your aunt, as my other friend just did. She just completed a Hermione. And the last secret formula C that I like to talk about besides curiosity and connection is the idea of completion. What it looks like to actually complete something as opposed to living in a graveyard of unfulfilled dreams, as my friend once called it. So to to go through the journey from curiosity to connection to completion, I would love for you to tell a little bit about how you help people to aim for curiosity as not a nice to have, but a must have in their business and social and intimate lives. Sure. Well, you know, Eve, I have a really loopy background in cultural anthropology and fashion. I was a professor for 16 years and loved what I did until I didn't anymore. I actually started falling in love with my side hustle, which at the time, that that was figure eight thinking. And I was getting invited into companies to help them 
design and build cultures of innovation. That was really an outgrowth after I gave a 2014 TEDx Philadelphia talk, which was essentially my PhD dissertation in plain English. (laughs) I basically proclaimed that the future of work is jazz, and here's why, and here's how. And that talk really catapulted me into getting invited into companies to help them become more improvisational, which essentially means helping them to become more adaptive, more experimental, more self-organizing. This was probably about eight years ago now, and everyone was chasing the I word. Everyone was trying to innovate, innovate, innovate. And while that's cool and that's fine, I was seeing that there was no lingua franca for what we meant by innovation. We were kind of like kept missing each other. And we, I mean, the collective corporate America, I know that I can't critique a system without offering an alternative, another way to be thinking about this. And so what my hunch was telling me is that we were starting in the wrong place and we actually should be starting with creativity. However, as you well know, Eve and Aditi, that if you lead with creativity and the hallowed halls of corporate America, they'll look at you like you have three heads. So that began my journey of figuring out what might be a simple and accessible way that I could help other people who don't necessarily think that they are creative to think about creativity in their work, to amplify it in the ways that they do their work so that they can ultimately innovate. And through a few years of of really tinkering with these ideas, I landed on this definition that creativity is our ability to toggle between wonder and rigor to solve problems and produce novel value. Along the way, I came up with the definition that I like for innovation, which is that innovation is an invention converted into scalable value. And that value could be cultural value, social value, financial value. And what's that conversion agent? What helps us go from an invention to an innovation? It's creativity. I love that toggling between wonder and rigor. Two words and frameworks that you would never put next to each other, and yet both are so essential for creativity. You know, you say, I know it may feel more important to dig in your heels in times of crisis and only focus on practical survival mode stuff. And you're right. Creativity is incredibly practical and it is crucial to survival. I laughed when I read that because we never think of creativity as something that is practical or something that's necessarily a survival skill. Creativity is a nice to have. It's a luxury. It's something to do when all of your to-do list is done and all those boxes have been checked off. But you really turn that notion on its head. And I would love for you to tell us a little bit more about why you think creativity is a survival skill, especially for the audience that is listening that is very much in survival mode right now. So I launched the Creativity Leap in the middle (laughs) of the beginning phases of the COVID-19 pandemic in June of 2020. And I have to tell you that there were many days I would wake up, you know, right before I go to sleep and I was thinking, gosh, when people are dying, when people are losing their jobs, when people are going through so much ambiguity and uncertainty, is creativity a luxury? Am I offering up a mental model that will be additive and helpful 
to the ways we will be able to navigate this time and going forward. You know, as you said, it's not a luxury. It is actually more essential than ever to hone your creativity capacity or your CQ, your creativity quotient, as I like to call it. It's important more than ever to develop that capacity and to hone it because creativity is a competency. It's something that we can exercise and get better at. It's something that when we look at our own children and we think about our own childhoods, we have so many great examples of our ability to toggle between wonder and rigor to solve problems. What has happened is that through traditional mainstream ways of being educated, we get the signals that we should err on the side of solutions versus process. Creativity is also not a luxury because when I think about some of the more underprivileged, marginalized groups in our society, oh my gosh, it's full of creative moments and output because as it turns out, creativity loves constraints. Creativity loves constraints on our time. It loves constraints on money. It loves constraints on people resources. It's actually, just as we know that our greatest learning happens when we fail, when we mess up big time, it's when we have those constraints as in a pandemic that creativity really flourishes. Wow. I'm sort of freaking out on that, right? This idea that creativity love constraints because you sort of think you have to be completely free before you can live a creative life. But the idea that similar to what Natalie is saying is that in my research, this idea that creativity can only come for the privileged or unicorn space is really only for the top echelon. It was almost the opposite. It was the Frida Kahlo's of the world and and this idea that through oppression and and trauma, as we know, that some of the most creative acts have been done and it is subversive and we have to push through to do it. Not only is it not reserved for the top echelon of privilege, but we can't let it stay there. No, we cannot. I love how you just referenced the word subversive because in some of my keynotes, when I'm talking about improvisation, I meet people where they are by first acknowledging that most of us are terrified to improvise. And that's in part because when we think about improvisation, we think about, about really impressive jazz musicians who do like phenomenal in the moment, in, in flow, majestic innovation and, and output of sound. Or we think about the great comedic artists of Saturday Night Live and what they're able to do in the moment. So it's a bit intimidating, but I remind people that you hack your way through every day, like probably between breakfast and lunchtime, you have had to hack your way through supporting a spouse, a child, a colleague, a client. And then if you look even further back, we were really great improvisers as kids. There's an image I show of a basketball hoop in the form of a milk crate with a punched out bottom. And it's hanging under a side that says, no ball playing here. <laughs> and I love that photograph because that's such a great example of creativity, loving constraints, because in a lot of our cities, in poor communities where there's no grassy playground and, and net hoops to play ball or light at night, you see that all the time. That's incredible hacking and creativity. I talk about how 
Back in the late 70s, early 80s, we saw the greatest divestment of funding for, for arts education in our public schools. And what did African-American male teens do? They turned a turntable into a percussion instrument. And scratching is now one of the most iconic sounds in hip hop, which is the largest music genre in the world right now. It's just all these examples of how in these pressure cooker moments, we can be quite subversive in some really extraordinary ways. You talk a lot about this idea creativity being hardwired, that we as human beings are hardwired for creativity. And yet it's so difficult for some of us to cultivate because it seems like if we're hardwired for creativity, then it should just bubble up like it does for kids. So yeah, so we we see that that hardwiredness and I'll just go back to kind of breaking down how I define creativity to, to explain why I say we're hardwired to be creative. If you accept or just kind of hold for a moment that creativity is our ability to toggle between wonder and rigor to solve problems. Well, well, let's break down what each of those dimensions are. Wonder is about awe and audacity and deep curiosity and asking these big blue sky, what if questions. Wonder is also about pausing because what I remind people is that you can't wonder going 80 miles an hour. You just can't, like you will burn out. (laughs) You've got to sit your behind down and pause and space out for a bit, right? So if you think about the attributes of wonder being about that curiosity, that expansive thinking, that is something that really is innate to us when we're left alone, when we get off the carousel of of career chasing or or whatever your particular carousel is. And we definitely see it evident in our own children and when we reflect back on our own childhoods. The rigor piece, you know, rigor is discipline, it's focus, it's mastery of fundamentals, it's time on task, it's constraints, it's not particularly sexy, and it is essential. It's also very solitary work. When we tend to think about creativity, we only think about the wonder dimension. We we forget that the rigor dimension is also part of it. Now, does the rigor dimension come naturally to us? Not always, but at the same time, if, if you're so fortunate and blessed to have a parent who can read to you as, as a little toddler, you don't go from that to like, in my case, devouring Nancy Drew mysteries um, overnight. It's through the rigor of the repetition of being focus on that. And it, and the seed of that is this desire to get to that next level. So if we dig a little more deeply into those, those dimensions of wonder and rigor, I think we begin to see how we're hardwired. The other thing I just want to add to that is I have another framework that I like to share about creativity, which is the three eyes, which is to say that the way we can consistently toggle between wonder and rigor to solve problems is through improvisation, inquiry, and intuition. We've talked about inquiry or curiosity. We've talked a bit about improvisation. The intuition piece is what I call pattern recognition. And as it turns out, we are hardwired to intuit because we have in our bodies something called the vagus nerve. It's the second longest nerve in our body. The first longest nerve is the spinal cord. And the vagus nerve extends from our cranium down through our heart into our gut. And so we literally have this interior human antenna that lights up before the rationality can even set in that 
helps us sense make and say, we should go left, not right. I should work with her, not him. I should be with this person, not with that person, right? So so the, the cool thing about intuition is that it never leaves us. It's like a radar, a sonar, a muscle. It has to be exercised. We have to use it. The, the more we use it, the louder and clearer it gets. The less we use it, the flabbier <laughs> and dimmer it gets. So if you come along with me in my, my definition of creativity and also incorporate those three eyes, that intuition piece, which is this way of exercising it, is another example of that hardwiredness of creativity within us. That was actually my question of, you know, if it's hardwired and yet if it's difficult to cultivate, how do we actually cultivate it? And it's through the three eyes. Through the three eyes, yes, by consistently committing to learning how to ask new and different questions, actively listening, self-inquiry, as well as asking others, which can be pretty hard if we're not used to it. Improvisation, which is about being experimental, adaptive, and then intuition. And I think the a way to do it, not the only way, but I have found is a, a, a technique I like to share people is be a clumsy student of something, anything. I'm, I'm a clumsy student of social ballroom dance. And I love it because I literally practice the three eyes all the time. I have to intuit more when I'm dancing with a dance partner. If I'm not getting something, I've got to figure out how to reframe the question. It helps when I have a range of teachers. I observe how my peers who are better than me, how they do things. And I improvise quite a bit. And that transfer, those are activating neural synapses in my brain, which transfer over to my daily work to help me uh, be more humble about exercising the three eyes in my daily work. What's your favorite ballroom type dance to do? Right now is the cha-cha. Because <laughs> my ballroom dance to do, they do something called a showcase. And it was my first showcase I participated in. And I thought the cha-cha was going to be easy, but the cha-cha is so precise. It, it's it's quick. There's a fluidity to it, but the beauty of it comes in the syncopation of how you decide to linger on a certain movement and then follow it up with rapid succession with other movements. I love Latin, but I also love Foxtrot, which is an example of a smooth uh, a dance. It's, it, it's beautiful as well. I just love to dance. I love the Lindy and the Tango. So one day maybe we yes. can we can dance together. I would love that. And the tango is hard. It's beautiful. The tango is so hard. It's really, it's so but hard. It's, it's so beautiful. Yes. I was trained as an Indian classical dancer and did ballet for decades. Oh my God. We should all three dance together because <laughs> I we love have that. this communal unicorn space. This is the metaphor that we began this episode with, which was we can't wait for the storm to pass. We have to learn to dance in the rain. And I will say, Natalie, your work to give us permission to be creative in many different forms in a wondrous and rigorous way is why I've always been drawn to your work. And I want to thank you for sharing your insights. Thank you both so much for having me. This has been a real pleasure. I loved it. Natalie, where can uh, people find you? People can learn more about my speaking and advisory work at figure8thinking.com. That's the word figure, the number eight, thinking. Hi, it's me, Eve, and I want to tell you about my latest book, Find Your Unicorn Space. 
So you're playing fair and have established equity in your home. But now what? It's time to find your unicorn space. My new book will help you set personal goals, rediscover your interests, and reclaim the creative expression of self that makes you uniquely you. Find Your Unicorn Space is a mix of research-based, how-to advice, and big-picture inspirational thinking. I hope it can show you a clear path to reclaim your permission to be unavailable and manifest your own unicorn space. Find Your Unicorn Space is available now wherever books are sold. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So every episode of this podcast, we'll be ending with an action item for you, our listeners, that we call a timeout. This is really a time for you to focus on yourself and reflect on what you're hearing today. And we're starting the conversation first with ourselves and then ultimately with our partners and others. So Aditi, I'll say that one of my unicorn spaces is this podcast with you because (laughs) as we discussed with Natalie Creativity does not have to be browsing Blick for paint and and art brushes. It really is a combination of these amazing three things of curiosity, where we are curious about issues around what happens to women when we're defined by our roles, where we can come here together and connect as spiritual friends and share ourselves with the world. And then the most important thing is the completion the fact that we actually did this, we'd been talking about this for a while, 
but that we are completing this. It may not be perfect. We're new at this, but we're uploading it for listeners. We're completing something. And that's, as my friend Amanda says, the the opposite of a graveyard of unfulfilled dreams. What else for you feels like unicorn space? Besides this podcast, I'm hoping I'm putting words in your mouth that this is one of your unicorn spaces. So I totally agree. I think this podcast and the conversations that we have with each other and these amazing guests make me really deeply reflect on my life and bring a new sense of energy and joy to all of those areas, which I'm so grateful for. You know, when you first asked me the question, Aditi, what is your unicorn space? You think of these self-care activities that you've done forever, maybe things that you've done as a kid, and you go right into that. It's a reflex, right? Because we often think of creating space for ourselves as self-care because that's what society has taught us. But what I love about really crafting this concept of unicorn space is this idea that you're creating a space for yourself, but then you are giving it out to the world to help better yourself, but equally better the world. And so when I've reflected a little bit more deeply on what my unicorn space is, my favorite part of being a doctor is my ability to communicate with patients and really patient education. There's nothing greater for me. I went into medicine for the human story and the power of the human story. So there's no greater joy for me than when I'm talking to a patient and I'm explaining something complex or difficult, like a really nuanced scientific principle. And then that aha moment for them when the light really goes off in their eyes, like they get it. But what I hear from you uh, saying is that you're living at a really sweet spot between meaning and happiness. My wish for our listeners and what I hope our prompt will be this week is that they can start understanding with us how powerful it is to sit at that intersection of meaning and happiness. So this week's timeout exercise is a fantasy. For those of us who have been journaling alongside these exercises, pull out your pen and paper when you can, if you're not driving, And answer this question. If you were given a year on a deserted island, think survivor, but with every privilege in the world, all the internet you needed, all the food you needed, your kids are completely fine when you get home a year later, the fantasy, just go with it. What would you do with that year? And the reason why I ask that is because I asked this to many people in my unicorn space research. And while I heard cool things like I would cross-pollinate a mango and a pineapple and call it a mangapple, what I didn't hear was get Botox, get a manicure, drive an expensive car, make more money, work more. Mm. And I think that reflection of understanding what intrinsically motivates us can give us the tools to bring it back to real life. So that's the timeout. First, the big dream of what you do in that year and really dive deep into that fantasy and what would you do with all of that time and energy and life force? And then think about how you can incorporate all of that goodness into your day-to-day life. And in our next episode, we're going to start looking at the practical tips, tricks, solutions to actually bring you some found time by redistributing domestic responsibilities and adding fairness to your home. Thank you for listening to Time Out, a production of iHeart Podcasts and Hello Sunshine. 
I'm Eve Rodsky, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fair Play, and Find Your Unicorn Space. Follow me on social media at Eve Rodsky and learn more about our work at Fair Play Life. And I'm Dr. Aditi Narukar, a Harvard physician with a specialty in stress, resilience, burnout, and mental health. Follow me on social media at Dr. Aditi Narukar and find out more about my work at draditi.com. That's D-R-A-D-I-T-I dot com. Our Hello Sunshine team is Amanda Farron, Erin Stover, and Jennifer Yonker. Our iHeart Media team is Ali Perry, Jennifer Bassett, and Jessica Kreinschich. We hope you all love taking a much-needed time out with us today. Listen and subscribe to Time Out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 